0: Welcome to Episode 8 of the Inside Nutley Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Greco, and I'm pleased to be joined by Major League Umpire and, more importantly, Nutley resident, Phil Cuzzy. Welcome, Phil.
1: Thank you, Tom. It's nice to be here.
0: Thanks for having me. Before we get to your baseball life, I want to touch on an event very near to your heart, last week's 19th annual Robert Longo Fun Dinner. Can you tell us about the charity and the event?
1: Yeah, you know, we just had it on Thursday, and it was our 19th annual, and it's very hard to believe that. We've been doing this for 19 years, and it started because of uh, my my very dear friend, Robert Longo, a Belleville guy. Uh, we grew up together. We were, we were not cousins, but we had the same first cousins because my mother's brother married his mother's sister. So we grew up together. We were at the same, you know, I mean, especially back then, you know, it was barbecues family picnics and and uh, so we were together at, at that and then again he went to a different grammar school um but we went to the same junior high we played ball together and uh we were just close and um years later uh i was uh, went into baseball you know i went to uh Glassboro state uh down in south jersey and robert went to harvard and uh, played football there as well but um you know, Robert was the kind of a guy where, where you never knew, even when I was in the minor leagues, he would just pop in. I, you know, I could have been in South Carolina somewhere and, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and it's him. This was all before cell phones. So my friends and family had, you know, my schedule and, and hotel list. And, and so he would pop in any time, anywhere. And uh, I, I almost came to you know, expect it, you know, at some point. And I'll never forget the day when uh, I talked to him on the phone. He said, "Something's going on with my with my hand. My hand is numb, and it seems to be going up my arm." And I said, "Well, Rob, you, you know, you got to get checked. Go get checked, and maybe you know, maybe we could just stop it right there." And, and at the time, he didn't have insurance. And uh, you know, longer story short, he he eventually went and and was diagnosed with uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And when he called to tell me that, he said, I've just been given a death sentence. You know, Robert was a smart guy, he, he read up on it, he knew what was gonna happen, he knew he was gonna lose his voice and he knew that, that ALS will, will, will steal all of his muscle movement. And, and I saw it, you know, I saw how it progressed and, and how, it, you know, how it affected him at first and, and how it affected him in the end. And uh, it, was, it was very sad. So I just, uh, the last time I saw Robert alive, um, I, I, was with him at his, his house in Florida with, with his wife, Deborah and, and daughter Dominique. And, uh, his daughter was, um, his daughter was uh, probably about nine at that time. And I knew education was important to him. As I said, he was a Harvard grad. I just told him, Rob, you never have to worry about Dominique's education. Uh, we will raise enough money to send her wherever she wants to go. And, um, and that was my promise. And, and and that's what we did. And Robert, uh, she wound up going to Harvard, following in her father's footsteps. Wow. So she's now at Harvard Law, as a matter of fact. That's Not amazing. that we need another lawyer, but that's what we're going to get. We're going to get a good, good other lawyer. Our mission is threefold. So we raise money for patient care. And that encompasses anything that has to do with the, the ALS patient. Or their family. It could be anything from a, uh, buying a ramp, or a wheelchair, or a chairlift, or uh, you know, we replace tires on on a conversion van. Uh, we we've paid uh, people's bills. You know, things that were not covered by insurance. Um, we've also um, given money for uh, for scholarships. You know, I I I send an application into Nutley High School every year and. Um, I've done it with Bubble High as well. And if, if, if a student has uh, a parent or a grandparent that, that they uh, have lost to ALS, um, you know, we'll give them a scholarship to start off in college, you know, start off somewhere. And, um, and you know, the last thing, of course, is research. You know, we, we, uh, last year, I gave $50,000 to a, a, a pilot program through the National ALS Association. This year, we gave away $25,000 to Penn State Hershey for their research program there uh, for ALS, so that's what we do, and and, and you never know um, the next phone call that's going to come, and it's so gratifying to see that the 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 community comes together. We we had 600 people at Nanina's on Thursday night, and. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, they know it's going to be crowded. They know they're going to have good food. They know it's like a reunion. And, and we, we also give them a good show with a, with a mystery guest. And uh, you know, we've had some great ones over the year. And, and I'm just so thankful because of my, my job, my position with baseball, I'm able to bring, you know, people like Tommy Lasorda, uh, uh, Joe Torre, uh, you know, there there are a lot of Italian Yankee fans. So you know, we've had Bucky Dent and and uh, Goose Gossage, and it, it's just it's just so gratifying to be able to bring that to the community, and in turn, what they you
0: know give to to us. It must be it must be very it's amazing. It's it's the hottest ticket in town, or in two towns, I should say. That's for sure. And that but that's that's you know I'm sure all due to your work and your dedication.
1: Well, it's like I say, um, and I said this the other night, it's, you know, people say, uh, Phil, it's, uh, you know, what a great job you do. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. But if the community didn't support year after year, and again, this was our 19th year. And if they didn't come together and support us, we couldn't do it. You know, we're only able to do it because the community continues to support us with us. They see where the money's going. We, you know we get checks out every year. people every person in that room knows somebody that we helped and and I everybody. I mean so many people in that room
0: no I was, I, was, I was just gonna say unfortunately ALS touches almost everyone i I, I lost an uncle to it, and uh, one of my best friends who I've known forever uh, was Jerry Tolvey. Um, huh. I know that yeah. that uh, you did some work with Jerry last year, unfortunately when he when he got sick um did you get to know Jerry at all because uh we like I said we go back oh my god Jerry and I met in Farm League but kind of like you I guess you and Robert Longo it's it's you know no I I, of course I got to know
1: Jerry I mean who who didn't go to an event somewhere in this area and and see Jerry there singing you know whether it was a wedding or some sort of a function it's it's emotional even you know to think and talk about it because uh it's uh, when, when you see it firsthand and, and, and it sounds like you have, it's just a, it's a terrible disease. It's a horrific disease.
0: Well, it's just, uh, you know, it, you should absolutely be commended for all the work that you've done because it's a, it's a wonderful thing and, and God bless you for that for sure.
1: Well, thank you. I, I need all the help from God I can get. Believe me.
0: Yeah. All yeah. Right, let's go back a little bit. Tell me about you, you. You grew up in Belleville. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Grew up in Belleville. Um, on Perry Street in Belleville and it was a great it was a great town to grow up in as I enjoy living in in uh, Nutley now but growing up it was just a it was just a good community um, so much different back then as you know uh, we walked to school every day uh, same kids you know all the kids from the same uh, from the same neighborhood you know would walk and we'd walk down to the to grammar school and then to the junior high and then the high school but but it was great and and you know, the, the the friends I made in high school and, and, the, and the guys I, I played ball with are the same guys that I see today. They're, they're the same. Those are my closest friends, the guys I grew up with in, in high school. And, you know, traveling the way I do with my with my job, I, I, I meet and work with people from all other parts of the country. And and some of some of the guys I worked with have been to uh, into town whether it's for the the longo event or whether it's to, to go to La Cecilia for for lunch or dinner and uh, and they say what you guys have is unique you know <laughs> and, and it's unique to us and we know it and and we but, but we we appreciate it and uh, but but it's not like that in, in other parts of the country you know the guys I work with they say you know I, I don't even see anybody that I went to high school with right and these are the guys that are I'm closest to, so it it was a, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. The way I grew up and um, it, I I love it. I love it.
0: How much do you miss Jackie's lemon ice? Oh yeah, it's a what is it now? It's a 7-Eleven or something. Uh, yeah, I think it's a 7-Eleven. Yeah. Krauser's,
1: <laughs> made Yeah, that was a big treat to be. Yeah. A- when we were growing up, there weren't many places that we went out to eat. You know, Jackie's was a, was a treat. Rut's Hut. We went to run and Rut's Hut's still there as a matter yep. of fact. Yep. Uh,
0: Did you always play sports? Were you always a, a big sports fan?
1: Yeah. Always played sports. Uh, you know, I, I grew up on Perry street. If you're familiar with that, it's where it's the, uh, it's a dead end street, but the recreation uh, building and, and fields uh, field is there. So we, we grew up there and uh, you know, we played stickball there. We played Baseball, you know, softball, basketball, there, whatever it was in the summertime, they had the you know the recreation program, and we that that was our our second home, but, you know. My mother, my father put up a pool in the backyard, and my mother got mad because we were never in the pool; we were always playing ball down the corner. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that was it, and and whatever the season was, that's what we were playing, and uh, and and really, that's what got me to college because I I wanted to go there to play baseball, and. Uh, and I, I did, I started playing and I, I hurt my shoulder and that was the end of that. So I said, Okay, I'm here. Now what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna play. So but uh yeah, sports was a big part of my life growing up. All right, so you 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 well, you what year did you graduate? Belleville High School?
0: In seventy three. Okay. And then you went to you said Glassboro, right? Yeah, went to Glassboro. Now it's called Rowan. Right, right. But, and you, you, know, played, yeah. you played there for a couple of years? That's where you got hurt? Yeah, I
1: played there for a couple of years and uh and then you know my shoulder. I blew out my shoulder, and that was the end of that. But um, yeah, did you go. Did you go right into teaching then, or did you? Or- yeah, my first job out of school. I I, I was a teacher. I, I taught graphic arts in one of the two junior high schools in Union, New Jersey, and uh, and and that was great. I loved it. It was it was it was a good school system. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I was right out of college, so I was 21, 22 years old, and um, and and if I would have if I would have stayed in teaching, I, I, I'm not sure that I would have ever gone to a different uh, system, but, you know, I, I just said, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to do this my, my entire life. I don't want to feel as though I, you know, I had aspirations to, to be married, have a family. Sure. I suddenly want to always have to have a second job. And, uh, so then I, I, um, so I had my tenure there. So I think it was at four years and yeah. then, uh, I said, yeah, I'd like to do something. I'd like to make a little more money. And someone, someone said to me, well, you're a personable guy. Why don't you go into sales? I know a guy, you know, how it goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went into sales for, for, I guess it was just about over a year. And I said, you know, I want to make more money. And I did. But uh, I said, I don't know. There, there, has to be, there has to be something more than closing an order, you know. What what'd you sell? I sold computer accessories from a company called RightLine. Out of worcester mass and uh and it was fine it was fun you know it was uh, it was it was the the beginning of of computers so the year would have been i don't know uh late 70s i guess so we we're selling like uh that was the computers had like computer tape back then right, so right. We, like course we the storage cabinets for tape and and you know that kind of stuff and yeah. and it was it was okay but um I said, that you know, I want a little more excitement. There has to be something more to it than uh, than that. And um, I was actually at Yankee Stadium one night with the boys. And and I, and I don't know why, how or why. I just started focusing on the umpires rotating and running around the field. And I said, now that would be a good job. And uh, I mean, what kid in, in America didn't want to grow up and be a baseball player, right? A professional right. baseball player. I said, well, you know, that that train left the station. But um I said what a great job that would be so i looked into it one of the guys with me you know said you know i hear there's an umpire school he said i see advertisements in the back of the sporting news and and uh, i'll send it to you and uh, that's how it started i wrote away to was two schools at the time i wrote away and um one guy stuck a a, a brochure in a folder another guy stuck his brochure but with a handwritten written note and i said okay if you took the time to write a note i'm going to go to that school and uh, and that's how it began.
0: Where was school? Where was the school?
1: The school we're in Florida. Okay. Yeah, the, the
0: one I went to was in Daytona Beach. Okay. So it you know, was. Obviously, yeah. you don't become a, a major league umpire overnight. What's what's the path from school to the major league? Well, uh, the school uh, the school is like um, five weeks,
1: and then the top percentage uh, from from the school goes into like an evaluation uh, camp. Week and once you get to that point, you're you're pretty much assured that you're going to go into the lowest minor leagues, and um, then uh, uh, you're assigned to a, to the lowest minor league. So I was in the New York Penn League, which was uh, like a like a short A season, and uh, but that was it. But it it um, it took me 13 years. Uh, you know, once you're in the system, it was just you know even. The, the umpire school part of it you know uh, i went down there i packed up my car i drove down to florida and i said well i i played baseball my whole life uh, i you know how hard could this be and once i got there i realized it had nothing to do with me playing at the rec house in belleville or even belleville high school and uh, you know it was completely different so it, it you know it, it took me more than once to to go through to, uh, to the school and it was only offered once a year so if you didn't make it the first year which i did not you had to wait a full year if you had the aspiration to go back. So, uh, so that, that's, that's, that's what happened.
0: You know, I, so I so you spent 13 years in the minors, basically?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I yeah. mean, what's that like? Because, you know, the, only, the, really, the real picture that we get from that or, you know, the common guy gets is, is from movies and, you know, like something like Bull Durham or whatever. Is it like that? Or, I mean, it's got to to start from the bottom, it's got to be pretty tough, no?
1: Yeah, but, you know, the thing is you, you don't know any better. You know, like like you you, you 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 kind of look off in the distance and and you you know what your goal is. You know everybody wants to get to the big leagues, but but you don't know any better. And you know I, I remember being in in the New York Penn League and being you know cities of upstate New York, Watertown New York, Auburn New York, and and uh, Geneva. Uh, you know, the Finger Lakes area, and, and it was fun, you know, and, and we didn't know any better, we didn't know how bad it was, how how bad the conditions were, and and uh, we knew we weren't making any money, but it didn't matter to, you know, we were young, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I was single, so it wasn't like I had to send money home to for a family, which was a help, that was a huge help, you know, there, there were guys that were married, and, right. and even had a child, and that was very tough, because, um, the day the season ended, they had to start working somewhere to do something. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's, a
0: it was, it was not an easy road, but it was fun. Do you remember the day you got the call that you were going to the majors?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you never forget that. That was, uh, that was in 91. My first game was, uh, June 4th, 1991. I got a phone call saying that I'm, I was in Rochester, New York in AAA, and, uh, uh, I got a phone call from the uh, National League Supervisor and he said, well, we had uh, Randy Marsh twisted his ankle, so you're gonna go into St. Louis and uh, you're gonna work with Harry Wendelstadt's school. Uh, that's the school I went to, but you're gonna work with Harry Wendelstadt's crew. And I actually went in uh, on a day, on an off day. So like now, when we have an off day, if if we're anywhere East, I'll come home on the off day and uh, so that's what the guys did. So I was in St. Louis by myself, never have been there before, but just saying, uh, yeah, tomorrow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in the big leagues for the first time. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it showed, I'll never forget that, you know, of course you call your parents and, and my, I had two sisters and my two sisters, like so many, are like night and day, right? So my one sister starts crying when I told her. And uh, my other sister said, well, St. Louis, can't you tell them that you want to work in New York so we can come to the game? <laughs> it was, you know, that and and that is typified the difference of my two sisters. But um, but it was fun, you know. I mean, it was uh, it was a dream come true, and um, th- there's no feeling about how you know walking onto that field with these veteran, you know, these veteran National League umpires, and uh, you know, in the minor leagues, you just have a blue hat. Sometimes in AAA you might have the letters of whatever, but but when I got the the NL hat in the mail, and I got the biggest check I ever received, I was more thrilled about the NL on my hat than I was
0: about the check. Right. But, what's a what's a typical day in the life of a of an umpire at the major league level?
1: Yeah. Well, um, first of all, we're in the airport usually every three days because uh, the uh, series is generally three three games, so. Oftentimes we're flying in the first day of the series and depending upon where we're coming from, you know, we're getting in, we, we try to take an early enough flight that we get in by noon latest. And, um, you know, usually that morning we would have been up at, you know, five or six o'clock. So, you know, we might take a nap until game time. Most of the time the games are at night. If you're in for a weekend series, uh, you're working like a, like a Friday night oftentimes a Saturday night, some cities, you know, it's great when we could work a, a Saturday day game. And then Sunday, with the exception of the, the uh, ESPN game, uh, it's um, a, a day game and then out of town. So that's why people say, well, uh, you know, does your wife come in with you? And and I say, not really, because it's tough. We, we might only be in a city for two days, you know, you fly in on a Friday, and then you're flying out on Sunday. Um, you know, and then so what do we do during the day? It's uh you know, wake up when you wake up and and uh have breakfast and maybe get a little workout in uh, late morning and then depending what city you're in, uh may determine what you do, you know, outside of the hotel, but but it, it is a lot of downtime and um you know it's not so much uh, like some guys like the sightseeing, you know, how many times can you see the arch in St. Okay. Louis, you know, or, you know, but, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great, I, I, you have to
0: like the lifestyle
1: and uh, it's not
0: for everybody. So how do you, how do you meet a, a wife with this, with, as a, as a major league um
1: Well, I, I married a girl I went to junior high with. Wow. Okay. Yeah. A little girl. And, uh, we were always friends. We we were had the same circle and, um, and you know, it, 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 we weren't dating from, from then, but, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were always friendly and it wasn't until, I believe it was just before our 20th high school reunion that we, we really got together. And, uh, she's, she's not a sports fan. She had heard what I did, but she didn't really know what it was. And, um, she said yeah I, I hear that um, that you do something with the, that you're on TV sometimes I said yeah you know I'm a, I'm a baseball umpire and she said oh yeah and then like a little while later she said so tell me again what is it that you do I said this is my kind of girl because she, you know you know I, I I've, I've been with some partners where after the game they get a phone call from their wife and I, and I, I hear at only his end and I hear him say what do you mean I missed that play at second <laughs> so, well, my wife wouldn't know, you know, she doesn't really pay attention to the game and that's, that's good. You know, that's fine with me. When'd you move to Nutley? I moved to Nutley, I guess it's been 20 years ago. Uh, you know, when we first got married, my wife had a condo in Nutley and I moved into there and then we, we found our house uh, and it was, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this before that, um, you know, being that I'm away, um, you know, my neighbors are great uh, the the town is great. The police are great. And, you know, my wife feels very safe when I'm not, uh, when I'm not home and that's, that's comforting. And again, that's something that you can't buy.
0: What is it? What do you think it is about Nutley that all all of our Belleville families end up moving here?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great town. Uh, I love the center of town you know, I, I, love to walk around the, t- you know, I mean, I'll walk from, from, uh, from here and I'll just, you know, take a big loop around and, and go through the downtown and, and, uh, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you know, you know, people everywhere you go, you know, you know people, you, you can't go to the shop, right. And, and get out of there like quickly, if you just run into something quick, it, it's impossible to do. Uh, it's the same thing like going around the corner to uh, to uh, Petracos. You know, you think you're going to run in and run out for something quick. Someone's always in there that you know, and and you wind up having a conversation, a cup of coffee, and uh, and that's you know, it's great. That's what's nice about the town.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Last month, he received a lifetime achievement award from the Unico, not the Unico. What was that like?
1: That was I was very humbling. It was very nice, and you know, at, at first I thought, you know, I, I said, "Gee, a lifetime achievement award." I always thought of someone who got a lifetime achievement award as someone that had to be old and in the twilight of their life. And then I realized, and I said, "I'm old, and I'm in the twilight of my life." So, but uh, but was it was a real honor, and and I I really uh, was humbled by it, and I appreciated it. And we had a fun time that night. And it was a nice dinner, and uh, and it was unexpected, but it was very nice.
0: What's the funniest thing anyone has ever said to you on a baseball field?
1: Uh, well, um, that's that's a good question. Uh, I was working with uh, Bruce Freming one year. If you, anyone remembers Bruce Freming, he was a he was a big jovial guy and a longtime veteran uh, National League umpire, and he and he was he was, he was a bigger man. And uh, it was great to work with him because he was, you know, he, he'd just been doing it for so long. There was so much that you could learn from him. And, uh, and they, they, you know, they used to like to tease him. And I remember that it was um, – uh, uh, who, who was the uh, the manager at the time? Brings out the lineup card. Uh, Italian. Mazzilli? Um, Mazzilli, yeah. Lee Mazzilli. Brings out the lineup card, and he says to Bruce – um hey you better take care of this italian kid he was referring to me and uh he says you know otherwise uh he says you, you know he might find you in a trunk of a car and uh i said it's gonna have to be a pretty big trunk <laughs> Bruce just kind of looked and you know he just you know but uh but the, you know there's there's so many things that you know i remember um there was a an infielder for houston you know anytime that they change the rule like a rule it always comes back on us there's growing pains for the players but it always comes back to us because we have to enforce it so it was a few years ago when they enforced the the slide rule at second base and the game actually ended uh was there, it played for houston and the game ended on a on a slide violation at second and there was a runner on third which would have been the winning run there were two outs Uh, the violation was called at second, the game was over, Houston loses. So here comes this, you know, we're, we're walking off and we had to walk kind of down the same stairs, um, just separated by a low wall. And, and the kid, it just was livid. And, and I'm just looking at him and he says, what are you looking at? I said, no, I'm just looking at you. That's all. And it was, you know, and then uh, the next day I'm working, I'm working thirds. I was working the plate and. He said, uh, "Hey, uh, are we okay now?" I said, hey, listen, I don't have a problem. I, you know, I don't have." He said, "I thought maybe I don't even really know you. I, I, I thought maybe you had a fight with your wife or something. Maybe that was the problem." So he, he said, yeah, "Well, no." And so fast forward, a couple of weeks go by, and we see Houston again. And he first time I see him, uh, I'm working third third base again. He's playing third, and he said, "Hey, Phil, everything's gonna be okay. I didn't have a fight with my wife today." I said. Yeah, but I did. was <laughs> <laughs> so fun, it's, you know,
0: bantering like that on the field is fun, you know. And it's uh, yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a couple subjects now, and and uh, just tell me your thoughts on on uh, when I when I mention what you think of um, Hall of Fame versus Hall of Good. Do you think it's it's kind of become a Hall of Good as opposed to a Hall of Fame?
1: you know, it's, uh, it's just a different day. And, uh, you know, the game is changing. Uh, They're this year. uh, They are hell bent on uh, speeding up the game. You know, they feel as though, uh, you know, to keep the interest, especially of the younger fans. So you're really going to see a big difference this year. You know, every year we go out to Phoenix for our physicals and our meetings and um, everything was about the timing. So you're, you're going to see, that the catcher has to be in the box ready to catch at nine seconds if he's not ready to catch it when the clock hits nine seconds it's automatically a, a, a ball a strike uh, if the hitter is not ready to it will be a ball if the hitter is not ready to hit in uh eight seconds it's a, automatically a strike on him if the pitcher doesn't re, start his motion when the clock hits 0 it's an automatic uh, strike a ball so you can see the rules are new and still confusing to me but uh, <laughs> but it's it's, it's going to be a big difference and um we're going to it's going to be growing pains and we, so we're going to see what's going to happen but but to your point um everything has changed the game has changed uh selection of hall of fame uh is what it is and same thing happened in, in replay when, when you know in replay we're, we're the guys at on both ends of the headset right and and I've had players say you know I think it should be uh someone neutral who who's in the in in the replay uh, booth in New York and I said well do you do you not think that we could be neutral? Our our whole job is about being neutral. I said, so so if if you go to Chicago, do you want to have a tech who's a who's a Cubs fan, who grew up a Cubs fan, and now he's the one that's gonna decide? So, you
0: know, it's always gonna be that someone's gonna say, you know, but you know, it's, it's just, right. I mean, it's 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 things like this, and again, this is my my opinion, and like the, the changes, like the the replay, um and the the putting the guy on 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 first thing, when you go into extra I think that has so alienated my generation of baseball fans.
1: Oh you're right. If if you're a purist of the game as as many of us are um you're not happy with the changes that that are going on. And and I realize that everything evolves and everything changes and and yet we have to just hope that the changes are for the better. You know, I mean, um you know back in the day you watched the old clips uh pitcher got the bully through the hitter didn't get out of the box and fix his gloves and 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 he just was ready to hit yeah. and i think you're going to see that this year because they are it's going to be strict and and if it's and if it's not enforced it's going to fall on us so it's going to be strict and and you know when they experimented with that in the, in triple a last year they cut they cut the like almost a half hour off the game time so they're looking for that and 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 some of the changes you know, I mean, when replay first came out, um, you know, I, I, we weren't really in favor of it. But when it first started, it was really just for the boundary calls. And that and was helpful because, you know, especially with, with so many of the fan friendly fields today, the stadiums, fans can reach over almost everywhere. Right. And it's difficult to see, you know, did, 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 did he touch it? Did, did he, was it? Was he on our side of the field? Was he, you know, so, so that, in that regard, replay was helpful. Where it became not as helpful was when a guy hits a, a double and he's safe by five feet and then all of a sudden you look in the dugout and you see the manager doing this to, to check it and then you know right away he had to hit the ground and bounce off the ground this much for that quick and and slow motion high def picks it up and and that's the you know that's the um that's the downside to uh to replay and I think that anyone would agree with that but the horse is out of the barn world series uh everyone series yeah everyone strives to get to the world series uh i was fortunate enough to have one in 17 and it was a thrill of my life you know to to work the plate in the world series and and uh it was just uh it was again dream come true not not that my job is a dream come true but then you know, to, to get to that point, um, dream come true. And, and after the first couple of pitches and you say, okay, it's the same game, here we go. But, uh, but it was a thrill for sure. Great. Robo-UMPs. Robo-UMPs, so the automated strike zone. Um, they, they experimented with that in AAA and it's a machine. So there's, there's uh, side effects to, to every machine. Sometimes it doesn't work, Uh, sometimes a breaking ball, you know, again, you're telling the machine that when you have the square of the strike zone and any time that any part of that ball goes through any part of that strike zone, we want the machine to register a strike. Sounds simple enough, but what it also means is that when you have a big breaking ball that just nicks the bottom of the strike zone and lands on the ground, that pitch is going to register a strike. So, um, you know, the, the, the people, I don't know like what the percentage is of, of players. I, I don't know that it's 50-50. I really don't know what it is. But, the guy, but there are guys who think that they're in favor of it. And um, they're going to have to get used to that. And I don't think anyone is going to, what I think will happen if it, if it comes to that, I'll, I'll be retired, but if it comes to that, you're going to have a generation of pitchers that learn how to throw unhitt- unhittable pitches, whether it's a, a pitch that sweeps across the, the outside and just nicks the outside at the bottom or the top. And like, it's a, not a hittable pitch, not a pitch that anyone would strike would swing at. And the machine's going to register to strike because it's just doing what you're telling it to do. So it'd be interesting to see. I know they've experimented with it in triple a and, um, you know, you can pull up video of, of uh, strikes that landed on the ground and, and there's a little delay in the, the earpiece of the umpire and then all of a sudden he calls strike three and everyone's looking at each other. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, eventually, who knows what it'll come to. But I, I know that uh, I will probably be um, having coffee at Petraco's
0: when that day comes. <laughs> uh, baseball's popularity. I mean, obviously, when, when you started, Back, you know, when we were younger, baseball was, uh, if not number one, 1A after football. Now it's kind of third behind b- football and basketball. Why do you think that's so?
1: Well, I think, I think it's because the games are taking too long. I think that, um, you know, think about when we were kids. We, we would run home after school to see the World Series. And now a kid can't watch the World Series. You know, the, the, the games are over after midnight. You know the average guy, if he has to get up and go to work, uh, it's tough for him to watch the full game of the World Series. So I think that that has a lot to do with it, and um, you know, hopefully with with these speed up rules, that's going to help that. But um, you know, again, uh, you don't see, like I said, you asked me before, did you grow up playing sports? And, And we were always out on the street, at the playground, whatever it was, whatever sport was. Now you don't see much of that anymore with the kids like playing touch football on the street or, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I think that in addition to the fact that they can't see a world series game, that there's so much more for a kid today, you know, and it, and it starts, it starts with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's what they do. So best baseball movie, best baseball movie. Um, you know what I really like more than the movie? I mean, you could say Bull Durham and, and that, but I, I enjoy the uh, those documentaries with, uh, what's his name that does that? Um, and uh,
0: Ken, um, Ken Burns, right? Yes.
1: yes, yeah, exactly. And and just to see the old clips and, and the old, you know, I, I, I enjoy watching those. And and, and even though they, they play again, you know, I, I, I sit and watch them every time. So it, it, it's really, it, I, I enjoy the old clips. Kind of brings you back to the time. That's why I like working in Wrigley Field because when when you're there, or even Fenway, uh, you could be back in the in the '50s. You yeah. know, when you look at when you're on the field and you look
0: around, you see the stadium and you say, you know, this could be this could be 1950. Yeah. Come on, you got to give me one fictional one. If you got to watch one baseball movie other than a documentary, what which one's? The uh, good one? Let me see. Uh, I'd say
1: Field of Dreams. Ozzy Gien. Ozzie Guillen was a guy that, um, he just was unfair and not just to me, but, but I, you know, I, I probably ejected Ozzie Guillen every time, but once that he came out to, to argue. And he, and he never argued about the play. He just came out and screaming, yelling, cursing. And I I threw him out the first inning at Yankee stadium over a check swing. Um, but you know, like people say, uh, well, you you must hate it to work, uh, Bobby Cox of, of the Braves, because he was ejected more than anybody. And that's not true. Uh, Bobby Cox was a fair guy. He he was he was a, a, a an excellent manager, and he got ejected when he wanted to get ejected, and never held the grudge. And um, you know, I never heard him say anything bad in the paper about an umpire. Whereas Ozzie Guillen, it wasn't the same thing. You know. I, I, I remember a reading where Ozzie Gian blasted his own players in the paper. And, uh, you know, so it was just, um, you know, he was just one of those guys that, uh, you know, he, he just was going to go and we accommodated him every time that we had to. Were you a Yankee fan growing up? Or Met fan? I a fan. Yeah, I was a Yankee fan, but, but I, I didn't hate the Mets. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the differences of the two leagues and, you know, that's the other thing that, that it kind of, I think maybe watered things down a little bit was interleague play. You know, uh, when they started, you know, it, it was a big deal to, to see the Mets play the Yankees. Yeah. And now
0: opening day, it will be an interleague game for somebody. But um, yeah, but I grew up a Met and Yankee fan. Do you think it's harder to umpire or officiate, I should say, a baseball game, NBA game, or NFL game? Well, you know,
1: I, I, I've never really officiated either of, of the other two. Um, I know that, um, we work more games than, than either of those guys do. And, and I, and I know, I know, uh, guys, uh, who umpire in the other leagues and we always compare notes. And, uh, and I said this year, I had the opportunity to uh, meet Robert, De, uh, Robin DiLorenzo, uh, first year NFL official from Nutley. Um, you know, but, uh, I tease, I say, you guys only work once a week, you know, sometimes we work, uh. Yeah, like people say, well, how many games you work in a week? You know, sometimes we don't have a day off for maybe two or three weeks, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then All we teach so- the NBA
0: guys and say, well, you're only running half the court. You know, it's a <laughs> half-court game for you. But If you had to pick a Mount Rushmore of all-time baseball players, who would be on it? Ah. Uh, well, <laughs> Wait. because of my connection, I'll say
1: Lou Gehrig. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. When and you see, see the old clips and and uh, you know it's um, you know just just to think about how he continued to play and you know th- th- there there's kind of a connection between uh, head blows and ALS and you know I've seen clips where he got hit at second base and he was knocked out
0: and stayed in the game. Uh, you, you had three other guys to put on Mount Rushmore. Who other other than Gary? Uh, okay. All right. Um, well, I guess
1: I would say my my uh, my childhood idol, Mickey Mantle. Um, I guess I would say um, I'll put Jackie Robinson on there. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've 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 taken my
0: uh, and I'll say Casey Stengel. That's interesting. How many more years, Phil? You're gonna be you be up in. Um,
1: well, you know, that, that's the nice thing about it. I, 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 could, I could go right now. Um, but obviously, I'm going to work the, the 23 season. And then I'm going to see how I feel. I, I, you know, if, uh, if I feel as though I, I can still see the things I'm supposed to see and, and uh, you know, and I'm still enjoying it, you know, may, maybe I'll go another one. But, you know, maybe maybe this will be my last one. I, you know, I'm not in a really position to say right now. I'm going to see how this year goes. Um, there's uh, two more years left on our contract. Not, not that it really matters, uh, but you know, maybe finish out the contract, which was for, usually we get a five-year deal. But um, yeah, well, it's we're going to see how I. I just, you know, I just had my knee scoped, and uh, I had like a little tear in my meniscus, so I had it. I had my knee scoped in uh, mid-December, and it feels great now. So
0: maybe I could work another 10 years. Who knows? So Kuzi, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We really appreciate it.
1: Tom, it was my pleasure. I always enjoy talking about uh, the uh, the Robert Longo Fund. Uh, you know, people can go to Robert Longo, or I'm sorry, people can go to uh, We .dot org, and they can make a donation. Uh, they can see the pictures, and our soon our our video will be up. Um, from the dinner on Thursday, the twenty-sixth. As uh, soon as I get that link, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna post it. But uh, I always enjoy talking about that, and I certainly enjoy talking about my profession.
0: Great, thank you so
1: much, Phil. Thank you, Tom.